our modern Western culture places little to no value on the power of our nightly dreams to inspire, shift, and reorganize our lives. This podcast demands a deep reconsideration of the role dreams play on our path to a more vital and meaningful life. The following is living proof of the life-affirming power of dreams to affect change and redirect the trajectory of our inner and outer lives. These are the dreams that shape us. It's never easy to say goodbye to the people that we love. There's just really no way that you can ever truly prepare for it. But if we're able to open ourselves to our dreams for guidance during that time, it can often open this just deeply intimate and personal experience of helping you to relate to this experience of death. And it's so powerful and profound oftentimes, and the dreams often, they often treat death with such a tenderness and such a poignancy and such a, a sweetness. I, I don't know, really know how else to explain it. But today, this week, you get to meet someone who is truly dear to my heart. And this is the first actual live conversation that I've had with her. So it's very exciting for me to share this with you uh, but her her sister Pauline passed away this past summer of 2020 uh, to pancreatic cancer and she is here today to share with us this amazing procession of dreams that she had that has helped her move through this acceptance and this grieving of the passing of her sister. And it's such an amazing tale of how dreams can walk you, hold your hand through this process, and really offer you some dreams that are just so deeply meaningful and powerful for you that in some grand and beautiful way can offer you a sense of peace offer you a sense that there is a process that is unfolding and that the sacredness of life and death is so deeply and truly honored by our dreams and by that source of wisdom within us that understands the natural way of things. 
And so here is my dear friend, Suzanne. She's from the Netherlands. And I hope you really, truly enjoy and are touched by this very heartwarming conversation we have. So thank you. Well, welcome here today, Suzanne. Thank you for being with me today. Thank you for inviting me, Stephen. Absolutely. Uh, so I think to begin, since the talk uh, is primarily focused around your sister, uh, I think it would be uh, a lovely gesture if we could honor who Pauline was a little bit. If you could give us an idea of who she was, uh, kind of what she stood for, what she loved, and... Uh, definitely what she meant to you. I think that would be a good place to start. Oh, yes. I'm um, the youngest one in a family of nine, and that's including my parents. Um, so um, my oldest is my brother, Paul. And then there is my sister, Marie-Louise. And then Pauline was born. And she's called Pauline because her brother, Paul, was crazy about her. So she got that name. And then uh, we have a sister called Leonie or Lot, uh, Monique, Nicole, and then me. And I'm Susanna. And Pauline, um, she always took care of me. Being the youngest one of a really big family meant that I was not very interesting for the, my teenage brothers and sisters who were busy <laughs> doing all kinds of other stuff. And Pauline was the the person who was in the, uh, with uh, who was uh, among the the elderly uh, the, the the teenagers. While I was just a little child, and she saw me and she mm. took care of me, and we from that point on we we really had a special connection, more of a mother um, daughter connection than uh, a sister connection. So she was very, very dear to my heart. She went out uh, to college when in 1974. And I was just a, a little uh, girl uh, going to um, uh, kindergarten there. And, but when she got home, oh, it was like the light went on. And, <laughs> uh, you know, she she, she was full of stories and life and, and beauty. She, she was sparkling around my parental home. And when, when she left, I, I, I usually, for the rest of the week, missed her. Yeah. So we had a really close connection. That's very sweet. Are there any specific memories of when she came home that you'd like to share? Um, well, one time she found out that because in, in my parental home, the, the radio was always on and I love music just like you do. And I mm -hmm. was always singing along. And then she, Pauline found out that I was able to understand and translate English. And for huh. me, it was the, the, the very normal that I, that I could because I heard English all, uh, all day. Mm -hmm. And she she really was impressed, and it made me feel so so <laughs> special. 
<laughs> because mm. yeah, there's somebody really impressed with with things that were really normal for me. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, I think uh, in your notes that was one of uh, the more tender things that was in the initial writing of it was uh, just this idea that at least one of your siblings was able to like really see you. I thought that was really sweet. And I feel like I play that role for a few people in my life. And so I, I know what that experience feels like, the, the kind of mutuality there. And I think, I think uh, you really need that to feel a deep sense of belonging with the people that you love. So that's, that's sweet. Do you feel like that experience uh, between the two of you continued into adulthood? Yes, yes, for a while, um, because uh, she uh, got two children and her youngest one really cried a lot. And I was in college back then, so I came over during the holidays and I took care of uh, her youngest uh, son and I was always carrying him around, keeping him warm <laughs> and comforting him. And she was really, really glad to have a few moments off as yeah. a mother. <laughs> because yeah, I know how that is. <laughs> yeah, maybe from experience, yeah, you know how um, how exhausting a crying baby can be at times, no matter how much you love them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty wild when... Uh... <laughs> It just doesn't stop. It just feels like it'll never end and how much that really does wear on you after a while. Yeah. yeah. What I think is uh, so special about that relationship, though, is uh, is based on the way you tell it, it doesn't sound like she ever became bitter about having to kind of take on a secondary mother role to you. you oh, no, because... Um, my, when my mother was giving birth to me, she uh, was uh, 38, and actually it, it didn't went very well. She, she had lost a lot of blood, and so she wasn't able to really take care of me in the first few days, those few days that are really important for the mother-daughter connection. Mm -hmm. And somehow Pauline uh, felt that, and she stepped in. And, and she really comforted, comforted me and she gave me uh, the bottle and uh, changed my diapers. And uh, so it was from a very early um, early moment that, that she connected with me as a sort of mother figure. Nice. Yeah, the, the image that I got was kind of like she volunteered it versus being or versus feeling imposed upon like... It was expected of her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah nice. It's uh, you know from experience, like like I uh, do, that when you look at the baby, you just come mesmerized of oh yeah, and and <laughs> I think she had that uh, looking at me. Nice. All right. Um, well, I think uh, we'll transition into 2011 when you participated at. Uh, IASD's Yearly Dream Conference, which was held at Rolduc mm -hmm. uh, in the Netherlands. Yeah. Uh, and Rolduc is a former convent, and you tell me you had a tour through the library by the bishop himself. That sounds super exciting. Uh, yeah. Can you give us a, a brief description of uh, what the library looked like and kind of uh, the energy in general at Rolduc? 
Oh, a whole duke is a wonderful convent, but it has a lot of bitter history as well. Um, unfortunately, like many convents uh, where, where people stayed indoors, students stayed indoors, uh, things happened there that mm. should have happened. And you could feel that energy, but you can also feel the sacred energy, especially in the library with all those books with uh, holy scriptures. And um, the bishop uh, gave us a tour. And during that tour, I also felt special because... Um, this wasn't ordinary. It, it was um, uh, something special that you were allowed to get into that library. Mm-hmm. And um, looking at those old books and knowing that monks have had touched that, that they had taken it to their rooms and really analyzed those scriptures uh, through, through the bone, that, that really connected me with um you might say an ancestral realms realms mm-hmm. um and uh, a few weeks later i had this dream in which i'm in that same library and the bishop is giving me a tour a personal tour this time and um during that tour, we get into his um, um, private um, room, and in that room is a couch, and on that couch, my mother sits next to my sister Lot, Leonie. And everywhere around them, there, there are more people in, in that um, room, and everybody is talking and drinking tea and having a good time and I'm really surprised because I say hello to my mother and my sister but everywhere on the floor are white flowers and nobody seems to see them except for me and I'm really I I really cannot stand it if flowers just lie on the floor and, and don't have water so I started to pick them up to um, make a bouquet and to eventually set that bouquet in uh, water. Um, so I was following um, yeah, the, the path of the flowers and I, the flowers led me out of the room, I picked them up, going out of the room into the hallway and when I'm in the hallway, I see standing besides, uh, against the wall is an undertaker dressed in black with a high black hat on. And then that moment happens that you often have in dreams. You have a spiritual, a mental connection and you know what the other person means. And I, I looked into his eyes and I knew that he was coming there to get my mother. And I felt really, really sad, but I knew it was inevitable and I gave him the flowers. And after I had given him the flowers, I woke up. Wow. A stomach full of grief. Yeah. 
it uh, was a couple of years before my mother died, but my mother was already um, at age. She was in her 80s. Mm-hmm. But it, it still was a very, very um, beautiful and impressive dream for me. Yeah, really, absolutely. It, it really helped me to um, be aware that I should visit my mother often and visit her with consciousness, the, the, the knowing that this that she is going to go away and that you should cherish every moment you have on this earth with her and create good memories for you and for your children. Wow, I love that. Yeah, so even though it's like two years later, I feel like this is such an excellent example of how dreams do give us kind of a glimpse into the future and kind of offer us this this kind of grace period to begin the process of preparing for their departure. Yeah. And obviously not every dream of a loved one dying means they're going to die. So yeah. we can't ever really be sure, but uh, you kind of touched on it, but maybe if I could ask you more directly, uh, was there something about this dream in particular that touched you specifically where you thought maybe it was more, uh intentional and preparing you for that and the feeling of grief i had when i woke up i had this this stone in my stomach mm-hmm. and um, my mother eventually died of uh problems in her gut oh wow um and um the intensity of the look between me and the undertaker. You you could also say that it is a prediction of my own death that will inevitably uh, come. All right. So it was like, there there was like a knowingness though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And and, an unspoken knowledge that um, usually happens in dreams of this kind. Right. That you look at uh, another dream character and you just know what they think or what they mean or what they say. And uh, often those words are unspoken. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one of my favorite aspects of dreaming is, is that unspokenness. It's, uh, it's so powerful and it is, it's so palpable in dreams of just like that it just kind of wells up in you within the dream in those moments. And there's really no, no question about it. Um, I think uh, I love, I love the way the delicateness that I guess uh, this dream's delicate way of uh, having a path of flowers that lead you to this realization that death is coming for your mother. And the offering of the flowers to the undertaker feels like to me like a really powerful gesture. How how do you look at that moment? Uh, yeah, it's it's like um, an offering to the gods. Yes, you know, yes. It's, it's the inev- in- inevitability. Sorry, I'm not English. Um, <laughs> of of death, and you know what else, Stephen? Um, 
Recently, my sisters and me have been sharing family photographs. And my sister Lot, she shared um, the wedding picture of my grandmother, the mother of my mother. And her wedding bouquet um, really triggered me back to this dream. Wow. Because her wedding flowers her, in her bouquet, they went down to the ground, to her shoes. And it was, <laughs> she, she married in the 1920s of the last century. So that was uh, totally hip at the, that time, I think. But it was the first thing that stood out to me that those same white flowers, well, you know, it was a black and white photo, but mm -hmm. I assume they were white. <laughs> they really resembled the flowers that I was picking up in that dream. Wow, that's really, really wild. So in, in my eyes, it's really the, the um, mother connection, the, the female connection in my family. I got that. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, for me, looking at the dream outside, it, it feels like uh, such like a surrender on your part. Like, I ultimately, I accept this. And if you must take her, please you know, move on to her with this show of grace. Like, yeah. Instead oh, of the yeah. sickle, you have this great image of death, like stepping to your mother with a bouquet of flowers. And there's like such like a beautiful, like tenderness to that image. I love it. It's just really sweet. Yeah. And she was uh, really religious. This, uh, her being invited into the bishop's uh, room is also really, really nice uh, symbolic um, depiction of uh, my mother's transition right yeah absolutely nice dreams provide a view into a person's tenderest inner places and convey better than any words what they are experiencing when you picture yourself in their dream with them like I did while hearing Suzanne describe her dream. It's as if you were invited into the private sanctuary of their soul. You share something sacred, and from then on your bond is like blood brothers. You carry a piece of that person with you. I knew Suzanne before hearing about her dream. We shared as friendly colleagues do. Dream workers are a close tribe. But now, after hearing about her dream, I picture myself there with her, in the library, with the bishop, then in the bishop's room, and I can hear the people talking. I can hear her mother and her sister, and see the flowers and the undertaker. I sense her connection with that character and why he's there, and it gives me a better feeling for Suzanne than I'd had prior. And now I think of her as more than a colleague. We've shared part of her soul. And this is the power of sharing dreams. All right. Um, so then uh, I guess we'll move into the end of 2019. Your sister moves. Uh, she moves. Uh, you want to pick up there what, what happened around that time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, um my sister lived in uh, a part of the Netherlands uh, for quite some time and her children grew up there. 
but eventually um, her son um, got married to a nice American lady and that lady of course wanted a house of her, her own because mm-hmm. living with um, um, a mother-in-law no matter how nice she is <laughs> isn't really uh, the future you want as a, yeah. when you are a wife so uh, that was the start for Pauline to uh, look for a house for herself. And um, she she sent me a mail that she was going to move. And I said, uh, I mailed back to her, oh, okay, let me know when you are finished and we'll come and uh, visit you. Mm-hmm. But um, a few weeks later, uh, in the Netherlands, I'm diabetic, and uh, I sent her a mail that in the Netherlands it uh, had become um, um, the the medical care would um, um, oh sorry for my English um, would pay for the uh, control, uh, the, the life scan support. So I inject a little button in my uh, arm and I have a scan. And so I can monitor my uh, blood sugar levels con- uh, continuously whenever I want. And I was so glad that I mailed everybody in my whole family. I said, yeah, finally, my <laughs> life's going to improve. And then Pauline mailed back to me and she said, I'm just reading this with one eye because, oh, I have such trouble with my vision and I'm going to the doctor to have uh, a check. And so I thought to myself, well, I will not bother her until I hear from her again. And just a few days later, she mailed uh, with the the terrible news that she had um, uh, pancreas cancer. Hmm. Yeah. It's awful. That that's awful, and it's familiar in your family as well, isn't it, Stephen? Yeah. Yeah. My grandmother, when I was thirteen, passed away from it. It was. Uh, there was basically. As soon as they found out, it was already pretty much deemed that she only had about six months to live. And I don't even know if she lasted that long. I can't. I was just talking to my parents about this the other night. My memories of that time are kind of, uh, they're not, they're not as, (laughs) as robust as I was hoping. Um, I think maybe in in some ways I've kind of, blocked out some of that because that was my first real experience with death and she was she was uh, probably one of the most dear family members that I had to me she she, she like your sister she really saw me and uh, it was it was really really hard on me when she passed so oh I can imagine and being so young Mm-hmm. That, that must have really, really made a huge impression. Maybe it was the first uh, experience you had with death? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, uh, it was definitely uh, one of the more defining moments of my life, I think. Especially since uh, she meant so much to me that it, it was especially hard. And we had... I moved around a lot when I was a kid, and uh, 
I think I'd already moved uh, to five different states within the United States at that point. Mm-hmm. And we had just we had just moved back to where my family was originally from, uh, where, where she was living at the time, so that we could be with her. And so it was like, there was all kinds of loss that I had already had in, in other ways, but this this felt this felt harder. And uh, so yeah. Yeah, it must have felt like the bottom from your existence was disappearing for you. Yeah, pr- pretty much. Yeah. Well, you know, the the next dream I wanted to talk to you about was um, each year around uh, Christmas time and um, January 6th, I organized a Holy Night. And uh, this are 12 days between um, Christmas and New Year to really prepare yourself for um, the new year. And... Last year, I organized, I always do that online. It's it's, uh, very, very much, uh, it's it's fun, but it's also very cleansing in a way that you take the time off to prepare yourself in those dark days where the light just begins to um, emerge in strength again. Mm -hmm. And... um, each night that year, I had a, a theme and an incubation. And this incubation was, what message has death for me? And um, that night, I had this dream. I was climbing stairs to go up to a playground for my children, but I cannot get through the door. I'm too tall. And you know, I'm, I'm, you don't know, but I'm uh, really petite. I'm, I'm, a, I'm not really big. So it was really uh, amazing that I couldn't fit through the door. But I wasn't able to get into the playground. Uh, it was only for children. And I feel sad because I really wanted to see my sons. And my sons are already teenagers, but not in this dream. They were little children. And I look through the looking glass and I um, only see a portal in two bathrooms, one for men and one for women. And that was the end of the dream. But when I started to associate the symbols, the bathroom I could not access, uh, I pondered over the meaning. And several years ago, I dreamed about Pauline um, I, I stand in line, a very familiar dream. I stand in line to go to the bathroom uh, in a public space. And Pauline, uh, she comes uh, and she walks past me and she goes into the bathroom uh, before me and before everybody else that's waiting in line. <laughs> and she, she wouldn't ever do that in waking life. Yeah. But... Um, I think that um, a bathroom is a place to release fluids, mm-hmm. the water of life. And um, in hindsight, I would say that it was the first, um, the first symbol of Pauline 
who would departure, who would uh, leave this earth. Hmm. Um, and uh, what you um, also mentioned about uh, losing your childhood uh, when you found out your grandmother was ill, very mm -hmm. ill, that also comes to mind about not being able to get into the playground. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when I read that dream, when you sent it to me, that that was like how that dream like really touched me was that it felt like there was a wall that was suddenly erected between me and the innocence of life and that carefreeness. Like all of a sudden life became really real at that point. And uh, there's this amazing Mumford & Sons uh, song lyric that says, uh, uh, death can't death may take away your innocence, but it can't take your substance. Oh wow. I, I always think that's like such a powerful line and that's that's what how I feel like that first experience of like a really big death that happened in my life. Like it took my innocence, but you know, I couldn't take my substance and it, it did make me a, a different person after that in in a good way I, I would think. But but yeah, so it, in this dream, do you see the, I'm guessing you see the two of your your kids as you and Pauline? Well, yeah, also Pauline ha had a special relationship with my children because when I was pregnant, Pauline was the, the second person I told her, uh, I shared with that I was pre pregnant, uh, my husband being the first one, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and my uh, Pauline was the the godmother of my my youngest, my second uh, son. Nice. So in that way, they are uh, also related to her. Gotcha. Nice. Yeah, because I was seeing if if you did kind of uh, see the two of your children as like the two of you being more carefree and lighthearted with each other and. Same with the the secondary dream that you say about her button in front of you into the bathroom. That that kind of felt like such a sibling thing to do, where yeah. <laughs> you kind of like playfully. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sibling does that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I had like this vision of uh, kind of that carefree and lightheartedness uh, being walled off all of a sudden, where you know such a grave circumstance can put a wall between you and like yeah. a joyful experience of, of your sister and of life. Yeah. And yeah. And also the, the, the COVID that, that emerged yes, in February too. that really put a wall up that made it impossible for me to visit her and to support her. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's like a, a dual, a dually there and the COVID wall and just the, the life wall. That's, yeah. Man. Very cool. So I think, uh, I guess we can uh, move into the next dream with uh, where you show up to meet with Pauline and Lot is there. So um, Pauline um, had told me she had moved and I wanted to visit her, but uh, visiting her at uh, the time when um, it was um, uh, physically possible because she was ready with her new home. 
wasn't possible anymore because of the the COVID situation. Mm -hmm. And then I had this dream. And in my dream, I'm in my car and Pauline, um, I'm driving towards the new home of Pauline to visit and to bring her a bunch of flowers uh, like you normally do in, in when, when you visit uh, someone's new home for the first time you, you bring a, a gift mm -hmm. usually a, a plant or some flowers and I'm in my car driving to my sister when uh, Leonie, Lot, my, my other sister is standing outside her house and she tells me that Pauline is not home and uh, she M mind you that uh, Lot, uh, she walked over to my car. She was standing on the on the pavement before the, the the house of Pauline, and she was walking towards me to tell me that Pauline couldn't make the appointment because she had already left. Wow. And I was really, really offended in my dream because, you know. We have made an appointment, so why <laughs> make an appointment if you are not able to to honor it? Yeah, that, mm -hmm. that, uh, um, so that's when I uh, I woke up, and just like my uh, former dream that I shared with you about my mother, she was sitting next to uh, Lot Leonie, nope. and. Um, Lot for me is uh, the Hermes in my dreams, who um, acts like a psychopomp and who um, guides the the souls towards another form of reality. And in waking life as well, it was uh, Lot who guarded uh, my father when he passed away. Um, we all um, said goodbye when my mother passed away. But now again with Pauline, it, it was her who um, didn't really um, mind the COVID restrictions and she just went to Pauline and took care of her. She's wow. a former nurse, uh, so she knows a lot about the different medications and she she really really came through for her sister wow that's beautiful yeah i was going to ask you if uh, she exhibited that same kind of hermes quality in waking life so that that's really really kind of special and it's it's so like dreams to to see that in your life and to translate that metaphorically in your dreams so that's yeah that's yeah, pretty no, wild we, we were talking, me and Lot. We were talking about this interview, and she uh, she didn't share the dream, but she said to me that she had uh, very uh, lucid dreams uh, surrounding the death of uh, Pauline that she had shared with Pauline. Wow! Wow, that's very wow. It's very sweet. Uh, so with this dream, uh, where do you think your, your anger stems from in this dream? Sorry, I, di I didn't hear. Where do you think you're? Uh, where do you think your anger stems from within this dream? 
because she didn't um, honor the appointment between us. And um, I think that um, me having uh, being diabetic, I had always assumed that I was going to be the first to go. Hmm. So do you think... Uh... The appointment and your anger is kind of metaphorical of her leaving sooner than you would have liked, or yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I feel like that's such a powerful correlation to receiving hard news, like like you had just done before you had this dream, where yeah, there's such like a such a potent concoction of emotion that that fills you initially before you have time to process. And I, I felt like this might be one of those dreams. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And, and of course, the anger I felt in, in waking life when she died. And the, the, the mm-hmm. Rosser stages. God damn it. Don't you die on me. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. stay here, please. Is, uh, how old was she? Um, my sister, when she died, she was uh, 64. Wow, yeah, so that's definitely much too early. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she she, she had been a lifetime uh, smoker, and uh, even on her deathbed, she, she made a gesture between her fingers that, that she really wanted the cigarette. And then, of course, we gave her a cigarette. That's the... Hmm. Wow. All right, so I think uh, we'll move into March once the quarantine really goes... Wait, are we already there? Shoot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll move into I guess the train dream. The first one you had? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the this was um um Pauline had one um chemo and it really went bad. Really. She she went in into um in what we in the Netherlands call a delir. Um she was dehydrated. And she didn't know exactly who she was and what she was. And she was in in total confusion because of the chemo. And um, um, I really, really wanted to be there for her. And I couldn't. I wasn't allowed. And her... Uh, son and her daughter really didn't want others to to visit because Mm. of um, the anxiety that we would bring something an an infection or the COVID and and make Pauline even worse Um, so a couple of weeks before her death I dreamed about a girl I knew from childhood not, not in waking life but um, in my dream I knew her from childhood and um, we are on the train together and um, she 
is getting off the train. And I panic because I'm here because of her and I, I don't know why I'm on this train and where I'm getting off now. So um, she, uh, she leaves the train and um, before she, she goes, I, I, I panic uh, and I say, I can't find my suitcase anywhere. And then she smiles at me and she opens in the hallway a secret cabinet. And she opens it up and there's my suitcase. And the next minute she's gone. And I'm confused in the train with my suitcase thinking, hmm, I was here because of her. And now I'm on this train to God knows where. She's gone outside. Let me get off and let's see where uh, this train, uh, if, if I can transfer to another, uh, to another, um, what do you call it? Uh, destination, to another destination. So I, I pick up my, my suitcase and I walk into the station and try to figure out why, where I am. And uh, in the hallway of the station, I see uh, Cologne, Cologne um, in Germany on the sign. And, and I feel excited to go there because I really, really want to visit the beautiful cathedral there. It's, it's on my list uh, for a while. So I, I don't know if my pronunciation of uh, Cologne is, is good. We, we call it Köhle. Okay. It's, it's in Germany. Yeah, I'm not sure how you would pronounce it in German, but uh, the way it's spelled in English would be Cologne. Cologne, sorry. Yeah, I, I would pronounce it <laughs> French, I think, Cologne. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you see here a reference to Rolduk again. Mm -hmm. um, because uh, when I was in Rolduk, I really wanted to go there, and I was very sad. Because um, I don't uh, have a car, I have a driver's license, but I wasn't able to uh, get in my car and drive there because I went to uh, Holduk by train. And, um, uh, well, that's why in that dream I was really, really glad that I was finally on my way to, <laughs> to, to visit there. Yeah. yeah. And and that girl on the train, she was just like Pauline, so filled with life and joy. And um like in Waking Life, I really, really wanted to uh be where she was because uh when you were next to her, it was full of full of life. Wow. Yeah, when I first read this dream, I, I was a little confused how it related until I started reading your notes about its connection to Roduk. And then after I read the next couple dreams of this series, and I was like, wow, this is uh, just really fascinating. And just the way it brings you back into connection with Roduk, which connects you to your mother's death. So it's like it's kind of bringing up this theme again. Mm -hmm. And then it also ties uh ties the death of your sister in connection to a new kind of historical holy place and so both of your your mother and your sister 
in kind cathedral. Of, yeah. Yeah, it's very, it's quite the correlation. It's really kind of sweet. Yeah, yeah. And when I asked Pauline at that point in time uh, if she wanted to talk with uh, uh, about her dreams with me, she shared uh, one dream, and it was a visitation dream she had from my mother. She didn't share any dream, any um, details with me. She just mentioned that uh, she had seen my mother in her dream, and that my mother looked so real for her. So, wow. like it was a visitation dream. Wow, that's really sweet. Yeah, she also had a, a, a picture of my mother on her bedside table. Yeah, so she she must have felt really connected to her then. Yeah, 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 because uh, that way she, she wasn't able to, to move around anymore, but she, she could look at uh, my mother and her, my mother's eyes and... and I, I think it was because of the, the inner peace it, it gave her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before before we get too far away, uh, when you were talking about your sister in relation to this uh, best friend of yours in the dream, uh, I just actually had a ping. Uh, just the way you described it, it sounds like it's almost... It makes sense that the dream would would make her be kind of like a best friend, uh, especially if you if you associated the best friend with your sister, like a lifelong best friend. That just seems like uh, such a sweet uh, way for the dream to associate Pauline to that kind of uh, yeah. yeah kind of role. And and someone that shows you the way to. Um, um, a cathedral. And, yeah. and I'm I'm not really very Catholic, but for me, um, um, a cathedral is a symbol of um, spirituality, mm-hmm. reaching up towards uh, bigger connections. Yes, I like that. Uh, one other thing I wanted to say, just because it was so. It's so fitting right now for the way that you just described her last night when I was uh, preparing for this interview. I, I did a little visualization with the final dream that you shared and just kind of like brought myself into the dream and uh, tried to see if there was anything that the dreams were asking of me in this interview. And Maybe this would have been more appropriate when everybody else would know this dream, but maybe there'll be a interesting sense of irony here. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, the the impression that I got of your sister was pretty much exactly uh, how you just described her. She she was very bubbly and very warm and yeah. very. Uh, she really kind of embraced me into her and. Uh, she seemed very thankful for the fact that this interview was going to take place, and she seemed like she felt very honored, and she <laughs> felt very familiar to me in, in a way. It was it was very kind of uh, interesting within that experience of uh, how familiar she felt, and I know with the connection that me and you have, it just it seemed uh, appropriate that uh, there might be <laughs> some deeper uh, spiritual connection between us and your family and 
Yeah, yeah. You know what? When I uh, uh, asked um, her son and daughter if they were okay with me uh, talking about uh, dreams about Pauline, then her daughter said to me, I think Pauline would be very, very honored. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So that really, really is what you were saying just now. Yeah. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah, it was it was just like a really touching uh just a touching experience for me because I mean this this story in itself already means a lot to me just because of my my experience of pancreatic cancer and my mm -hmm. own family. And so to have this talk with you is has felt very powerful and profound for me and so that was just like the icing on the cake last night it was felt like i had her blessing to do it and uh yeah it was, it was sweet wow well thank you for for sharing that experience yeah absolutely really wonderful uh so then you ended up actually staying with her for a time and helping with like hospice care and uh you want to say anything about that time that you were able to have with her? Um, uh, um, I'm not sure I understand your, your question. Uh, in your notes, did you say that you had you were able to, to join her and help take care of her at the end? Um, when she was ill, I, I visited her. But um, she was only laying in, lying in in bed. She she like in my dream, she was already gone um, mm -hmm. spiritually, if, if mentally. Dreams say so much in one scene or image. They can synthesize our thoughts, feelings, emotions, perceptions, and give us one image that sums it all up. For Suzanne, it's the scene when she arrives at her sister Pauline's house, and she's not there. It says so much, with a picture, and no words are needed. And um, uh, there is one wonderful dream that I would like to, to share as, as we round up the, this interview, and that was another suitcase dream from yes. my mother yes please um, tell us that and and that is that the theme of suitcases as a symbol of the transition um between waking realities and in this dream my mother is packing a suitcase and she throws in a sparkling white rag doll and a golden one and closes the suitcase with a firm gesture. So it's done. Hmm. And um, after Pauline heard that, um, the, the we um, the um, children asked us if we wanted to visit uh, the house to. Um, get some stuff that belonged to Pauline and take it home. And uh, that is when, when I dreamed that dream about that suitcase case being closed by my mother. So like this is, the transition is finished now. Mm -hmm. We are able to 
move on. Wow. So in my eyes, the the um, pictures, the, the symbolic pictures in in uh, within me of my mother and Pauline as as mother figure and my mother more as a crone figure, um, are really nicely reflected in the dreams that I I was able to share with you, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's something uh, like so powerful to me about the firm gesture, the way she closes that suitcase. Yeah, there there really is like a very palpable finality to that image and the feeling that comes across it. I I think I missed it when you just said it, but where when did that dream happen in relation to her passing? Oh, after she passed away. And okay. before I went to her house again to uh, pick up some uh, belongings of her, I, I um, took home uh, some some dresses. So each time that I wear a dress of Pauline, it's like she is hugging me. I, I mm. really, really love that. That is nice. And um, th- that was hard for me to uh, be in her house without her being there and it wasn't a house that i was really familiar with because she had just moved mm, yeah. but but somehow uh i was yeah i i don't know she, she should have been there you know right yeah so i mean the the finality that this dream kind of closes for you is both of these mother figures in your life right and is that yeah. essentially yeah yeah absolutely wow that's such a powerful image oh man <laughs> <laughs> um so i guess uh i guess we can move into the final dream then because they they kind of uh they just kind of pick right up where the the last one left off in a sense and in the notes it says, I dreamed that night that the family I am born in are all in a station. We have suitcases and wonder where we will go. Pauline is the first one to raise her hand to say goodbye to everyone and walks away with her suitcase. Oh, okay, okay. That's actually the 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 dream that I tried to enter last night when I was uh, preparing. Yeah? And uh, so... I just thought it was so striking to have this image of all of you standing around wondering where you're going to go now. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. And and she was a, she she was the first in in so many things. She was the first to leave the house. She was the first to to get a, um, a steady boyfriend. She was the first to get children, and wow. unfortunately, she was also the first to uh, of of us uh, siblings to. Uh, pass on she's in that sense she's the leader yeah who knows where to go (laughs) so so that's a wonderful dream yeah i agree yeah i just uh there was something about the imagery of everyone wondering where to go now that just like 
it just kind of left me with this gut punch of, uh, you know, how do we move forward now? Or where do we yeah. go? How do we carry on? That kind of thing. Yeah. Where do we um, go now as, as family? Because we right. all flew out and, and have our, our own families, but we still are part of the, the family we grew up in, of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, wow. and Pauline was was a vital part of that family. Yeah, yeah, and just her like raising her hand to say goodbye felt like such a a moment of closure. Maybe it's her way of saying goodbye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's really um, uh, Pauline. Pauline herself. Pa- Pauline was really very interested in um, dreams and astrology. And she mm. educated herself in, in astrology. And uh, often for my birthday, she would send me uh, uh, horoscopes. <laughs> <laughs> nice. yeah. Do you know what her sign was? Hmm? Uh, what, what her uh, astrology sign was? Yeah, lion. Okay. She, she was fierce like a lion. Yeah. Yeah. She, she would be raising her hand and saying goodbye and leaving uh, everyone wondering where to go. Yeah. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, and I mean, the way you described her earlier just was so full of life and kind of this uh, larger-than-life kind of personality that seems to fit with Leo's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so I guess uh, to wrap things up here, I, I know a lot of people who may be uncomfortable with death uh, may look at this this experience that you've had where the, you've had these series of dreams that have helped kind of prepare you um, for your sister's departure. That looking from the outside in, they, they could probably feel a little brokenhearted about it or maybe like that would be too much for me. Mm-hmm. But for you, being the one who's received these dreams, do you feel like uh, you received the closure that you needed? Like they helped you in a way that without them, maybe you would have felt way more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Just kind of maybe you would have been more of a mess yeah. had you not had them. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, because she was very, very important in my life, a very important part of who I am, who I still am today. And losing that in this reality, in, in this life, is uh, a loss. Yeah. Absolutely. If you have lost a loved one and are wanting to dream about them, have you tried asking for it? Ask with your heart before going to sleep. Dreams teach us that the connections through the heart live forever and are always there. Just make sure you are ready to receive the response. If you don't believe in an afterlife, your dreams won't try to change your mind but they just might help to facilitate an experience that will help you decide what you believe for yourself. And you don't have to wait for a dream to use this connection that the heart gives us to everyone. If you are missing your loved one, speak to them through your heart. Speak to them as if they are there with you. 
speak to them knowing, not believing, but knowing that they can hear you, that they care. They are following your life along with you, and they love you. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Uh, as hard as uh, some of those dreams may be to have, uh, uh, there's such like a, a grace that comes with them as well that that really yeah. helps you process yeah. on a deeper level. And it really... Uh, they always like mean the world to me to have those dreams and um, did, did you have dreams about your grandmother uh you know when she passed i i was under the impression that you would receive dreams like that from people that you love mm -hmm. and it didn't come for a long time and i it really like uh it really broke my heart for a long time but uh, the first time that she appeared in my dream was it was probably a couple months after I had kind of my big spiritual awakening where I finally stumbled upon some source of meaning for myself and uh, a greater understanding of my place in, in, the, in the world and uh, I had this like uh, celebration dream where it was like uh, my soul was congratulating me and the dream began at the very end of like a, a ceremony that was held in my honor oh, wow. and I was coming off the stage it was kind of like a it looked like an auditorium or like a movie theater almost where there was like a, a very clear stage up in front and seating behind it and so I, the, the dream picks up with me coming off the stage and I'm met by all kinds of family members and they're congratulating me and thanking me or I'm thanking them I should say and I keep having this nagging feeling that somebody really really special is waiting for me uh, at the back and uh, so I keep inching my way closer and closer and finally I look up towards where I'm where I know I need to end up and there she is and she's just beaming and she just looks so proud of me and she gives me just like the biggest hug and it just I just like melt into her and <laughs> oh, wow. it's still like it's so palpable even now like every time I like rehash this with somebody it, it totally brings me back right into that experience of, of seeing her again and uh, it was like I could feel her like and she felt so real and it's almost like you could you know, smell her perfume and oh. uh, yeah, it was just like so wow. touching and yeah. to have her there for that moment of like really celebrating how far I'd come because I had kind of just come out of like a really deep depression and so it was like a, a pretty powerful moment for me to be kind of celebrated for, for going through <laughs> the depths yeah. of hell and coming back out. Um, so yeah, that was, it was almost like, uh, that my dreams had waited for me to, to be ready. Yeah. And to, to when she was, when she would finally be there, it would be for a, an experience that like would really, really mean something to me. Mm -hmm. and, and grant an entrance. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. And she's, she's appeared every so often, uh, in other ways. Uh, but yeah, 
It's uh, that was that was the biggest one though. Wow! Thanks for sharing. This is yeah. an awesome experience. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for bringing it up. I I was going to maybe mention it, but I at this point in the interview, I totally forgotten about it. So <laughs> thank you. So do you have any uh, final? Final, uh, what is the word I'm looking for? Final remarks or comments on these dreams or your sister in general? Or oh well, um, my sister has been and still is very important uh, for me, and those dreams are like, well, like a little uh, treasure. Uh, closet, a treasure trunk that I can open up and mm -hmm. uh, if I open that suitcase up filled with these dreams it fills me with love and affection and acceptance so in, in that sense the, the female side of my family has given me so much support that um, it really feels like a gift Wow, that's very, very beautiful. Wow. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. This is still very fresh for you, and I, I just am honored and humbled by your, your bravery to, to speak with us on this and to share this really heart heartwarming and uh, just beauty-filled experience that you had. So thank you. Well, thank you for all your good questions and your uh, wonderful <laughs> associations with my dreams. It has been a gift. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. Martin Prechtel wrote, Grief is praise because it is the natural way that love honors what it misses. And on behalf of Suzanne and all of my family, for everyone that we have lost to cancer, we honor you and know that we love you miss you deeply. That Shape Us is a podcast created and co-hosted by J.M. DeBoard and Stephen Ernenwine. The original music you grooved on during this podcast is written and performed by Steve, a.k.a. A.Q. The Dreamwalker. 
Check out Steve's dream-inspired hip-hop and singer-songwriter music on Spotify under AQ The Dreamwalker. Or get more intimate with his music and dreams at AQ The Dreamwalker YouTube channel. You can contact him on Instagram at AQ underscore Dreamwalker. I'm J.M. DeBoard, and I'm the author of three books about dreams, including the Dream Interpretation Dictionary and Rat Owl's Crash Course in Dream Interpretation. I can teach you dream interpretation that's simple, effective, and modern at Rat Owl's Dream School, dreamschool.net. Steve and I send out a super extra big and special thank you to our guest, Susanna Von Dorn. Susanna, thank you for sharing your dreams and your heart with us and with our listeners. Her website is fabulous, mindfunda.com, M-I-N-D-F-U-N-D-A. Dot com, chock full of information about dreams, spirit, myth, and the teachings of Dr. Carl Jung. If you love what we're doing on this podcast, and we really hope that you do, hey, sharing is caring. Please spread the word to your family, to your friends, that dreams are deeply meaningful. Help us to bust this myth that dreams are meaningless dreams truly can shape our lives. For Stephen Ernenwein, I'm J.M. DeBoard. Thank you for listening, and happy dreaming. Hey everyone, it's Steve. I just wanted to say that if you were interested in Suzanne's 12 Holy Nights event that she holds every year i definitely encourage you if you're kind of in the spiritual but not so religious but you really enjoy the christmas season uh, she offers just this amazing program at the end of the year that goes from christmas eve to the epiphany which is january 6th it's the 12 days of christmas essentially um it's the holy nights we call it because it's a dreaming event and I've done it with her several years and it's amazing and she does such a phenomenal job curating this event and um, walking you through it and providing you with all this rich symbolism and mythology and incubations and information and every year she picks a different mythological lens to view this time period through and it's just phenomenal it's so good Uh, One of the years I just had this amazing map of the entire year for myself. Because essentially each night you dream for a different month throughout the next year. So it's kind of, you have an opportunity to kind of gleam insight into what your coming year is going to look like based on the incubations that you do. So it's amazing. And one year in particular, it just was like so prophetic the entire way through. And it just gave me such an amazing roadmap. Um, So I encourage you to check it out. Go to mindfunda.com and look up the 12 Holy Nights and you'll be set. So thank you.